the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The good news is not about a good man. The good news is about the God man. That's who Jesus was. Not a good man. He was a good man. He was a good teacher. No, he was the God man. Different level. Being man, he had the ability to substitute for mankind on the cross. Being God, he had the capacity to save all of mankind because of that substitute on the cross. The gospel is about one person, the main subject of the whole Bible, Jesus Christ. Today on Connect with Skip Heitzig, Skip shares about the abundant hope you can have when you understand how all of Scripture points to Christ. But first, Skip wants to let you know about a resource where you can get some extra biblical encouragement from his wife, Lenya. Do you crave knowledge, connection, and honest conversation? Well, I'm excited to announce that my wife, Lenya, just launched a new podcast called All The Things. She and her co-host, Lindsay Maestas, are diving into a variety of topics, including faith, family, culture, and the workplace. If you have a desire to learn and grow while getting to know Lenya better, subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Our goal is to connect listeners like you with the truths in God's Word so you can stand on its solid foundation. That's why we've made these Bible teachings available to you on a daily basis. If they've encouraged you in your faith, please consider giving a gift today to help bless other listeners like you in the same way. Just call 800-922-1888. That's 800-922-1888. Thank you. Now, we're in Romans chapter 1 as we dive into the teaching with Skip Heitzig. Did you know that you can have a saved soul but a lost life? You can know Christ, you've been forgiven, your sins are forgiven, you're going to heaven, but between earth and heaven, you're not doing anything. You have a saved soul but a lost life. A lot of Christians sort of state their testimony in a negative fashion. I don't do this, I don't do that. I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do. Well, good. What do you do? What on the positive side of that equation are you doing? So you're to be separated from, but also separated to someone and something. You know, it's sort of like a marriage. When a young couple comes to get married, uh, they're, they're making a statement of separation. I'm going to be separated from everybody else and separated just to you. Honey, sweetheart, baby. And so I begin by asking the young groom. And I say, I want you to repeat after me, forsaking all others, live only unto you as long as I live. I said, will you do that? And I I want him to say, I will. And I ask him to say it loudly, not, I will, but I will. (laughs) That's a big statement. I'm going to forsake everyone else and live only unto you. Now imagine that young couple, after saying their vows, going to their honeymoon destination, and the young groom says, Sweetheart, 
I have a girlfriend in this city. If you don't mind, I'd like to just go have dinner with her or coffee with her. Do you mind? How do you think that honeymoon or relationship's going to go? Probably not very well, right? No, he needs to be separated from everyone else and separated only unto her. Here's Paul saying, I'm a servant, I'm an apostle, and I'm separated to the gospel of God. So he is its servant. Second, notice its source. It is called in verse 1, the gospel of what? You can say it out loud, the gospel of what? God. God. The gospel has its source in God. Aren't you glad it isn't of human origin? It's God's gospel. I had a radio interview this past week, and uh, the person who interviewed me was talking about belief and belief systems. And I said, you know, no one would make up the gospel story. And I said that because we get accused a lot of times of, well, you know, Christianity is just a bunch of, the Bible is a bunch of smart men who just made up a story. No smart group of men or women would ever make up a story that condemns the whole world forever except belief in one person. Nobody would do that. That's, that's not a man-made religion. No, a man-made religion would be something like everybody's good. We're all doing the best we can. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all sincere. And no matter who you are and what you believe, you'll all go to heaven. That's human religion. Man-made religion is about what man can do for God. The gospel is about what God has already done for man. That is the gospel. It's from God. The apostles did not invent it. They discovered it as it was revealed to them by the Lord Jesus. That's why Peter, the apostle, wrote these words. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the glory of Christ. Look at verse 2. He says it's the gospel of God in verse 1. The thought continues, which, that is, which gospel, he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What's he talking about? The Old Testament, right? That's where the prophets were hanging out in the Old Testament. Through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Why is this important? The New Testament is not an addition. It's not like another religion that is completely apart from Uh, the Jewish people and the revelation of God to the Jews. Christians weren't a bunch of defectors from Judaism who followed some renegade leader named Jesus. No, it is part and parcel of the same revelation from the Old Testament into the New. This is why Jesus himself said, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. So there is a continuity. That's why Peter on the day of Pentecost, as this church was born and all these people are coming to know Christ and the Jewish leader said, what is this? Peter's answer was, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet. And he quotes an Old Testament prophet to prove that what they predicted is coming true before your eyes. And this is why Paul, in front of King Agrippa, said, King Agrippa, I'm not saying anything other than what Moses and the prophets have already said, that Christ would suffer and be buried and rise again. 
He's saying all of this is part of the same revelation that was predicted in the Old Testament. So this isn't good news that was just sort of sprung on people. It was anticipated for centuries. And the clearest prediction of that, the clearest prediction of the new covenant, comes in Jeremiah 31, when the prophet said, Thus says the Lord, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Not like the old covenant under the law of Moses. So then, the gospel, the good news, is part of a continuous progressive revelation that began back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. We covered in Bloodline series. is woven through Genesis 22, Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. is displayed at the Passover with the blood on the lintels and doorposts. Predicted by Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, chapter 9, chapter 7, predicted by the psalmist, Psalm 22, and, and 300 other promises or predictions about Jesus. Promises like where he'd be born, uh, what he would be like, what he would go through, that he would die, how he would die, that he would be buried and raised again. 300 of them. Biblical prophecy, these promises that Paul's writing about, is in a class all of its own. It's not like your weatherman saying, Thursday is going to be sunny with a possible chance of rain. That's a good guess based on mapping and radar. Biblical prophecy, however, is so detailed, it has multiple contingencies and a multitude of features that no one could know, no one could control, And when they come to pass, they give proof, they give evidence that the authorship of Scripture is divine, not human. Think of it. It's impossible to humanly arrange what tribe of Israel you're going to be born into. If that is predicted, you can't control that. It's impossible to arrange who your mom's going to be. It's impossible to arrange what town you're going to be born in and so forth. One scholar said, in a hundred billion years, there's no chance that the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled could have been fulfilled without God. Now, in hearing that, now listen to this. You you know it, but it's going to make more sense now. After the resurrection, Jesus said to his two disciples who were forlorn, he said, oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered and entered into his glory? And then Luke adds these words, Luke 24. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in the scriptures all the things concerning himself. Its source is God. Its servant is Paul. Its source is God, promised through the scriptures. What is the subject of the gospel? What is it concerning? What is it really all about? Verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Hey, all those promises in the Old Testament, all those predictions that were made, 300, 330 of them, they all point to one person, Christ. He's the main subject of the Old and New Testament. Yeah, I know there are other themes. There are other topics. 
subtopics, um, subjects. You might have one author talking about Israel's wandering through the wilderness or another one talking about captivity or post-captivity or one king doing this and another king being deposed. There's a number of sub-themes, but the grand theme, the big theme, the central theme, the overarching theme is Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said to the Jews, if you would have believed Moses, you'd believe me, for Moses wrote about me. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. So, let me give to you your Bible in a nutshell form. Here it is. The Old Testament is the anticipation of Jesus Christ. The Gospels are the presentation of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts, the continuation of the work of Jesus Christ. The epistles, the explanation and clarification of Jesus Christ. And the book of Revelation, the consummation by Jesus Christ. That is your Bible in a nutshell. Anticipated by the Old Testament prophets. Some of you might be saying or thinking, well, now how could that be? How could they have anticipated him. Are you telling me that when they wrote their prophecies, they knew who they were writing about? Not at all. That's the beauty of it. This is the beauty of it. They were clueless. They had no idea. Peter makes this point. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. The prophets prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you, even though they had many questions as to what it all could mean. They wondered what the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They wondered when and to whom all of this would happen. Let me illustrate it. The Old Testament prophets were like archers, you know, dudes with bows and arrows. So they shot their arrows of truth into the air, and they had no idea where those arrows were going to land. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hosea, Zechariah, all pulled back on their prophetic bowstrings and launched those predictions, and they went into the air, over the horizon, but all 330 of them, written over 1,600 years, all happened to come true in one single individual. And that is Christ. So then, let me give you the Bible in an even smaller nutshell. Here is the irreducible minimum. If people ask you, well, so what's the Bible all about? Here's what you can tell them. The Bible is about one person and two events. One person, two events. One person, Jesus Christ. Two events. Number one is first coming. To deal with sin. A lot of predictions made about that. And then, second event, his second coming, to rule and reign with those who have been cleansed from sin. That's the Bible. One person, two events. Jesus Christ, first coming, and second coming. Notice what Paul refers to Christ as. Concerning Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. In other words, Paul is referring to the dual nature of Jesus. Fully man, seed of David, 
fully God, son of God. As the seed of David, fully human, he could fulfill all those predictions of who this leader, deliverer would be. As the son of God, he was fully God, conceived in a virgin womb by the Holy Spirit, sharing the same nature as God the Father. By the way, the term son of God is a term of deity. That's why the Jews said, what other proof do we need? He said he's the son of God. That's blasphemy. Let's kill him. He was claiming to be God in human flesh. All of that to say this. That means the good news is not about a good man. The good news is about the God-man. That's who Jesus was. Not a good man. He was a good man. He was a good teacher. No, he was the God-man. Different level. Being man, he had the ability to substitute for mankind on the cross. Being God, he had the capacity to save all of mankind because of that substitute on the cross. No wonder when Encyclopedia Britannica wanted to post its article on Jesus Christ, they used 20,000 words to do it. 20,000 words in Encyclopedia Britannica on the life ministry and impact of Jesus Christ. That's more than they used in their article on Aristotle, Alexander the Great, Buddha, Caesar, Cicero, Confucius, and Muhammad put together. The Bible too. Its servant, its source, its subject, Jesus Christ. Now let's take the last one as we close. What is the scope of the gospel? Verse 5. Through him we have received grace, that means we don't deserve it, it's unmerited favor, and apostleship, that means we're all sent out, we all have a mission, for obedience to the faith among all nations. Mark that, note that. Among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. This good news isn't just local news. It's breaking news. It's worldwide news. It's for all people. So what Paul is saying, if I can sum him up in these verses, is God sent us to tell everyone everywhere about this awesome news. It's not limited to one race, in one place, at one time, but it's for all people, in every place, for all time. Its scope is universal. Romans 3.29, which we'll get to, Paul asks, Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Rhetorical question, answer is yes, he is. Why is this important? Well, there's a false assumption out there. I've heard it put to me this way, especially when we send out missionaries to different parts of the world. Why are you doing that? An unbeliever would say, why are you sending missionaries? You have no right to impose your Western culture, a Western religion, on other cultures who think differently. And anytime somebody says it's a Western religion, I feel like saying, I think you need another geography course in school. Last time I checked... It originated in the Middle East town of Jerusalem. 
That makes us about as far away from its origin as you can get. It is not a Western religion any more than it's a Middle Eastern religion exclusively. Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Acts chapter 1, beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Remember that angel, the Christmas angel on Bethlehem, who made the announcement, who said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to a few people. You people, you little shepherds here in Bethlehem, it's just for you guys here in, in this little part of the world. Now you know what it says. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's for all people. For God so loved the world. Not for God so loved Western culture. He loved the world. It's a message for the world. If you have a disease like lung disease or heart disease, there's medicine for that. It's, it's important, it's true, that if you have heart disease, the same medicine will work for you whether you live in America or you live in Argentina. It's not like, well, that medicine won't work here. That's a Western medicine. It will work. It's called science. It is a universal cure. Somebody has the same disease in different parts of the world that works. Same with the gospel. The cure for sin is universally the same, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. The world has many religions, but only one gospel. And it's God's gospel. So, so not this, but this is God's newspaper. And in God's newspaper... He's got good news. It's good news for a couple of different reasons. It tells you, number one, God is there and knowable. And it tells you, number two, that you can know him through the saving work of his unique son, who was fully human, and he felt all of that pain on the cross, and also fully God, so he can save you. Here's my question. Has the gospel come to you like that? Has the gospel come to you like that? What I mean by that is, can you honestly say at this moment that this is the best news you've ever heard? Because I don't see a lot of Christians act like that. They, they, they're team one. That's the best news I've heard. They're candidate one. It's the best news I've heard. Yeah, just wait a few years. Is the gospel the best news you've ever heard? Because if not, it could be that you are simply making a profession of faith, but there's no possession of faith in Christ. You're not really born again. It's a religious thing. It's a weekend thing. It's a cultural thing. But it's not a personal thing. The gospel is highly personal. That's Skip Heighton with a message from the series Heart and Soul. Now we want to share about an exciting resource that will help you learn more about where you come from and God's ultimate plan for mankind's redemption. Ever walk into a movie late? You may never catch up on the plot. Well, same's true of the Bible. Miss the opening book and you'll have questions all the way through. Genesis is the foundation. It's the ground floor. 
If we don't understand the book of Genesis, we won't understand what follows the book of Genesis. That's Skip Heitzig reminding that our redemption through Jesus' death and resurrection starts in the book of Genesis. God says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It's a promise of the Redeemer. It's the seed plot of the rest of the Bible. Rediscover the foundation of your faith. In Skip Heitzig's book, you can understand the book of Genesis. Our gift to you when you give $35 or more today to help keep this ministry on the air. Request your copy when you give online securely at connectwithskip.com slash offer. Or you can call 800-922-1888. That's 800-922-1888. Listeners like you are a vital part of helping share the gospel of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible. If these teachings have encouraged you, you can pass on that blessing by giving a gift today to help keep these broadcasts on the air and inspire others in their faith. Just visit connectwithskip.com slash donate. That's connectwithskip.com slash donate. Or call 800-922-1888. 800-922-1888. Thank you for connecting others to God's truth. Tune in tomorrow as Skip Heitzig shares how you can overcome the fear of sharing your faith with others and encourages you to be a bold messenger just like Paul the Apostle. All I can say is, this guy is unstoppable. He was not intimidated by a single human being or situation. Nobody. I both admire Paul and am convicted by him every time I read anything by Paul. He was such a singular, unintimidated person. The religious leaders of Jerusalem did not intimidate him. The political rulers of Judea did not intimidate him. The intellectuals of Athens did not intimidate him. The Caesars in Rome did not intimidate him. He goes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Make a connection. Make a connection at the foot of the cross. With Skip Heitzig is a presentation of Connection Communications, connecting you to God's never changing truth in ever changing times.